Coming to you live from a barbecue shack near you, it's the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. We've got the sweet tea, the white bread, and a whole lot of slow smoke takes lined up. So put down your turkey burger, turn up the volume, and grab your hog, because it's about to be on. Oh, yeah. Now, say hello to your self-proclaimed food and sports experts, the utterly enthusiastic Holt Smash, and the one and only Tinder King of Memphis, Mr. JB the underscore Brooks. And now, here's your host, always full of ship, Alex Bullship One. back to the official SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. This is a special edition podcast where we're going to do week 13 recap plus week 14 preview due to Thanksgiving travel schedule. I'm your host, Alex, joined by my bro, Whole Smash. What's up? Hey, Alex. How's it going? <laughs> I'm also excited to talk about some uh, Thanksgiving food. Yeah, I figured we'd talk for probably a good a couple hours about the Thanksgiving food. So um, have no fear. This is a half football, half food podcast or southern food podcast. So we will get to the Thanksgiving food for sure. Mr. J.B. Brooks, you all right out there? I'm doing pretty well. Just ate dinner. And this is kind of just more of a uh, appetizer, getting myself ready, training for uh, Thursday. J.B., you've been training your whole life. Yeah, don't lie. I've been. I trained my whole life for Thanksgiving Day. That is true. Don't kid yourself. Um, Thanksgiving is Thursday, um, as it always is. Um, What's your favorite food for Thanksgiving? I feel like nobody likes the turkey as their favorite food. Um, I do have a favorite food, and I actually uh, had like a top five. Me and JB both had a top five, and um, you'll have to stay tuned for that segment in the podcast uh, to find out my top five. But it is not turkey. I will. I will go ahead and tell you that right now. Is the top five uh, part, uh, part right not right now? Well, I mean, I guess you're kind of uh, the host, Alex. But I was thinking maybe we do like some recaps real quick just to get done with that. Um, there really wasn't a lot to talk about in week thirteen, so we can probably get through it pretty quick. Um, but it's up to you. I mean, I, let's reveal our top five after we do a quick recap. How about that? All right, so um, Georgia beat A&M and Tennessee beat Missouri. Holt, what's your favorite Thanksgiving food? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. uh, Hold on, hold on, hold on. Excuse me. Let's do this fair and proper. JB, is it good to be a Tennessee ball or is it great to be a Tennessee ball? I think as of now, I think it's great to be a Tennessee ball. I mean, there's a lot of uh, optimism on Rocky Top now with uh, the way that the team has turned around after a – two and five start and now they've won their last four in a row and are looking to make it five in a row against Vanderbilt. I mean, it's times are uh, looking high on Rocky top at the, at the time. I mean, it's just, they're, they're going to a bowl. They're probably going to go to a good bowl because the SEC crop is not as deep this year. And I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of good things to look forward to on Rocky top, especially with a small senior class too. Is everybody eating crow at this point about saying Jeremy Pruitt wasn't the guy for the job at the beginning of the year? Uh, I think as of now, Jeremy Pruitt is one back 
almost the entire fan base. I mean, I think he's earned that right too with keeping the team together and, and with the team getting better over the course of the season too. I mean, this team is not the same team that opened up the season. Are you okay to say that you're wrong about Jeremy Pruitt? Because you did say. I did say. I did. You, you said I mean, that he there's, was still, there's, still, there's still, you know, more time to tell, but I do think I'm going to be wrong. And if that's I am wrong, thing. that's good. Yeah, it's a good thing. Absolutely. Um, I just like the way the Tennessee team competes. And unlike some of the other bad teams in SEC, uh, you don't see their teams compete. Like Missouri, for instance, they're not a great team. They, they were – they should be better than Tennessee, especially this game is at home. But you'd like to see them compete more, and um, Tennessee just wanted it more. That's how I, I view this game. As they it. did, and here's the crazy – there's some crazy stats from this game, too. I don't know if you know, but Tennessee, of course, you know, Jarrett Garantano had 400 yards passing. Uh, they had three receivers in Callaway, Jennings, and Palmer that all had 100 yards. And then you had uh, over 500 yards of total offense – and the crazy part is, is the discrepancy in total yards. Uh, Tennessee had like 528 total yards, and then Missouri had 280 something yards, and Tennessee only won the game by four points. I mean, that's that's amazing to me. Like when you look at the stat line, Tennessee absolutely looked like it. you would think Tennessee won by 20 points, but you gotta give Missouri credit. Uh, they made some plays when they need to to try to keep the game close. But all in all, I mean, Tennessee pretty much had a dominant effort despite what the score shows. Did you? see the interview with Garantano saying that he, he'll he be back next year and he wants to be the quarterback again next year at Tennessee? I did. I mean, that's, you know, props to him, too, for, um, you know, going through the adversity that he went through. I mean, with, you know, the pretty much every, all the Tennessee fans were against him. I mean, it seemed like some of the teammates that he had, you know, had lost some faith in him. But look at him. I mean, he's, he's had a, an incredible story this year. I mean, it feels like his season really turned around when he uh, went rogue against Alabama. In that one play, when he uh, called his own number on a QB sneak, and then he had his face mask grabbed by Jeremy Pruitt after that, and, and since then, I mean, Jerry Garantano has become, you know, more. He's become a better player and a better teammate, and you know, props to him for going through for uh, withstanding the adversity that he went through. Not horrible stats on the year: fifteen touchdowns, five interceptions, sixty-one uh, percent completion rate, eighteen hundred yards. Not bad at all. One hundred fifty-three passer rating. So. Um, He's not bad, and, you know, it'd be actually good if he was there next year because it might be some stability. Also, it would provide a little more uh, QB competition if the yeah. uh, Bailey guys the really Right. Good. I mean, and Jim Chaney, actually, I, he's definitely uh, made Garantano better in the second half of the season than he was in the first half. And, and Garantano coming back, he'd be a fifth-year senior starter. I mean, you can't – you know, I don't know any other SEC teams that would not want to have a fifth-year senior starter on their team. I mean, Tennessee's going to have a lot of guys back next year, and there's going to be a lot of reasons for optimism for them to uh, compete in the East. I mean, I don't know if – I wouldn't say they'd win the East, but with the guys they'd have coming back next year, they'll be a lot more competitive and be a lot better team too. Holt, who's the best football team in the state of Tennessee? Uh, probably Houston High School, if I had to bet. I would Dude, say they are, they are killing me. Y'all should, I don't know if y'all went to that playoff game, but y'all, uh, y'all should have. I, I, I saw, the, saw it on the Twitters. Yeah, Houston High School is a legit team. I mean, they're undefeated, Alex. They beat Whitehaven by 27-6. to They're playing at Ravenwood and Nashville this weekend. I mean, I, I didn't go to Houston, but I still kind of claim Houston somehow because I somewhat – I still somewhat claim them because one. How do you claim Houston. They're on the Germantown. <laughs> they're on the Germantown. They're on the Germantown Collierville line, and I also went to Dogwood, which is a feeder, an elementary school feeder for Houston. So I'm going to still say I have a 
maybe one percent Mustang blood in me compared to the ninety-nine cent dragon blood. Ninety-nine cent. Um, it's uh, I don't know if you're like going up to like just people. I'm like, just trying to claim a winner, okay? Because our, obviously like, our dragons are not winners in football, so I'm, I want to claim a winner with the Mustangs. At least one percent of me. I don't know if you're like going out and about like repping Houston High School like in the city and like wearing Houston High School <laughs> jerseys. <laughs> um, that the the running back for Houston High School uh, is really good, but he has like no offers. Yeah, he's a two star, but apparently he's starting to get warmed up now with some teams that are looking at. Him. Apparently, Tennessee is starting to take a look at him. I don't know if, if Pruitt would actually offer him. I mean, I think he'd be great as a walk on in a place like Tennessee if he wanted to, you know, go to a bigger school. But, I mean, I think Memphis would be a great fit for him, you know, Norvell system. I mean, he seems to put out some really good running backs, and I think Pear could be the next great running back in Memphis. And, plus, he's a local product, too. I mean, I, he'd be, I think that's someone that Norvell should definitely look at. So, after, after Houston High School, then it's Memphis, then it's Tennessee? Or is Vanderbilt somewhere in there? Vanderbilt's got to be in the top five, too. Maybe. Um, I will let Holt talk about it. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I definitely um... – Claim 100% Carville High School. I do not claim our arch rival Houston in any way at all. But, or Chicago. You got Chi City. Yeah. Well, my second high school in Chicago didn't have a football team. So I don't really have any, any connections up there. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I do hold the, uh, the record at my high school for uh, batting average in the season on the baseball team. So there's a little fun fact of the day. There's a little trivia tidbit. You may hit up one day. Dang. Yeah. You, uh, you're but, you know, but here's what's going to suck, Alex. If Houston wins the state championship, that makes both <laughs> the Carvels two biggest rivals state champions, and Carville would never have won one in its history. That would really suck for us. I think Carville's only won like one playoff game in the last like two. Years. <laughs> the, the problem with Carville is that like all the good kids from Carville go to private schools. If they just got everybody in Carville to go to Carville, then they'd be a lot better. Because like, do. They're, they're, they're I don't, the best I don't, middle school yeah. team. They're the best middle school yeah. and best like freshman team. Yeah, like, I don't know what's going on at Houston for them to put it all together, you know, these last two years. But, I mean, they've got a really good team and some really talented players. I don't know if some of these guys just chose to stay at Houston and not go to private schools. But, you know, they got it rolling now. Yeah. This is a college football podcast on, on uh, just keep yeah. up. With uh, Holt, uh, we, we've done enough talking up Tennessee here for this podcast for now. Um, can you talk down Missouri because um, – Missouri just gave up in this game is what I, the way I took it. Yeah. Missouri did not play well in this game at all. Um, really disappointing performance by them. Uh, like JB said, the score wasn't really indicative of how the game went. Um, they were able to stop the run. Okay. But you know, obviously Garantano had a huge game through the air and had it not been for like a few uh, mistakes by Tennessee, a few miscues, um, then this game really wouldn't have been very close at all. Um, you know, Tennessee had some blocked field goals, uh, I think two of them, I believe, and then uh, had a really, you know, big fumble in this game. And had it not been for that, I think that this probably would have been a pretty easy win for Tennessee. Um, Missouri, like, you just – there really isn't anything you can say. They've been a complete disappointment this year. Uh, The offense has regressed this year. Some of that has to do with Drew Locke moving on. Some of that has to do with Kelly Bryant being banged up. But I think a lot of it has to do with Derek Dooley and um, just not really progressing this offense. And – you know, the running game has not been where it was last year. And um, they're just they're just a disappointing team. I mean, plain and simple. Would you be excited if you were a senior to take a rock home for you as your, like, parting gift from Missouri? Um, 
I did not even know that that's a thing. Is that a thing that they do? JB, you know what I'm talking about? No, I don't actually. Dang, I was I was the only one who watched the game. Uh, <laughs> they were saying like uh, in the M and like the field and like the where the field goal is, like the grass behind the uh, goalpost. There's like a big M, and it's filled with rocks. Rocks, and each of the senior gets to, each senior gets to take a rock home with them, and like that's like their tradition. Yeah, like I never knew that, but I mean, if they did that, then eventually there wouldn't be an end left because all the rocks would be gone eventually. But apparently, well, they what they said is that they replace the rock with another rock, you know, and when the senior takes it. So, JB, do you know about this or not know about this? I did not know about this, but I mean, I did hear that that segment, but I did not know that seniors at Missouri get to take a rock with them from the M. Yeah. You know, after a senior night, I guess that's kind of cool. But like to me, it's just a rock. It is just a rock, but you know, there's a lot, there's been a lot of asses that have sat on those rocks too. So I mean, it's and those asses represent a lot of big time Missouri football fans. Is that the <laughs> way you smell the rock is cooking? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like this this has gone off the hard. Yeah. I love nothing makes me happier than when JB cracks himself up. Well, I mean, that happens a lot. So you must be a really happy man. Yeah, like J, JB just like he's the funniest dude. He's like he's dying right now. Like you probably don't even you probably can't even tell listening to the podcast, but he's absolutely dying right now. The ruffle, ruffle, what? <laughs> you know, oh, ruffle. You don't know what ruffling is? No. Uh, Debbie might know. I don't think he knows either. R O F L. That's why I call it ruffle. Oh, gotcha. Wow. Roll on the floor laughing. Yeah, yeah. I got it. Yeah, I guess but uh, you know, Georgia and Texas A and M played um, as well. Um, that was a pretty good game. Georgia, you know, was basically their boring ass self, uh, was really good <laughs> on defense and, uh, did just enough on offense and they were able to squeak out the win nine, 19 to 13, uh, Texas A&M did score a touchdown in the fourth quarter to make it close and got the ball back and was driving a little bit and it looked like, um, they had a chance to win the game. Kellen Mott actually played pretty well, uh, but they just couldn't get it done in the end and, uh, Georgia held on for the win. It was bad weather in this game, too. It was raining all through the first half. I think it stopped in the fourth quarter, but um, it was bad weather. But um, there were some A&M fans that traveled, you could see in the, the stands. Um, if I'm an A&M fan, I'm kind of happy, even though they lost, they, I'm happy they showed up and competed in this game. I mean, ultimately you want to win games, but, I mean, if you show some pro- progress in competing against Georgia at Georgia, I think that's a, that's a good sign. No, it definitely is, and I mean – I know if you're A&M, you kind of were hoping to win some more of these games this year. And, uh, you know, they got one more shot next week in Baton Rouge. But just with the way the schedule fell this year, I mean, having to play – I mean, they've played three of the top four teams on the road this year so far. Um, so, I mean, it's just – it's really rough. And then, obviously, losing to Alabama at home. Uh, but I think really the one game that sticks in the crawl of uh, A&M fans this year has to be the Auburn game. I mean, that's a game that they – you know, they should have been more competitive in and – um, I think that's the game you have to look at and kind of be disappointed, but they still take a little bit of a step forward this year. They're still moving in the right direction. It is not as big of a step as they would have liked to have taken this year, but I think you still have to feel okay about where you're at going forward with A&M and uh, the way Jimbo's recruiting. Um, you know, obviously Joe Burrow's going to be moving on from LSU too. is going to be gone from Alabama most likely. Um, and you, you know, Kelamon could be returning next year and you could have an opportunity to have a pretty good season next year. He should return. I don't. I wouldn't want to draft him. Yeah, I mean, a has got a ton of stars returning next year. I mean, and if Mon comes back, that's just icing on the cake. I mean, I think a and will be a top West contender next year if Mon comes back. I mean, just look. I mean, if you look at the returning stars, they could potentially have on both sides. I mean, they're gonna they're gonna take a huge step next year. 
the only national game I'm going to talk about is Ohio State, Penn State. And I really don't even want to talk about it as much as I want to ask um, you, JB, if Ohio State's the best team. If, can we concede that yet? Or are we still saying LSU's number one? I mean, you got to throw in Clemson on yeah. that list, too. I mean, right now it's a three team race. But if you had me rank those three teams right now, I'd probably rank them. Right now, I'd give it to Ohio State, number one, by a smidge. And number two, believe it or not, I'd actually give it to Clemson. I would rank LSU third right now. Just, I'm not in. I'm not in favor of LSU's defense at the moment. I just think they have too many uh, gaping issues. And right now, Clemson, and Ohio State look to be the most complete teams on offense and defense. But I will say that um, on LSU's behalf, you know their defense has not played great this year. But they have had to play more explosive offenses than uh, Clemson and Ohio State have had to play. Um, but that being said, I would still – I still think it's between Clemson and Ohio State right now just because they're both more complete teams. I think LSU has the best offense in the country uh, out of all those teams, um, out of all the teams in the country. But um, just the fact that their defense has been so inconsistent does uh, give me some pause there. Yeah, in a single-game playoff format, I would uh, I would trust Clemson and Trevor Lawrence, who's been there before, over Ohio State or Joe Burrow has been there before. And then um, Dabo, of course, I would trust him over any of the other coaches, uh, except for Saban, maybe. But, uh, yeah, Ohio State looks good again this week. No surprise there. Um, all right, we're going to move on to the um, final week of the regular season, um, rivalry week. Uh, but before Four we do that, we yeah. have to know the top five Thanksgiving foods from Whole Smash. And I guess, JB, you have a top five as well. Yes, both of us have compiled our top fives. I'm pretty sure he and I will have some overlapping, but I don't know if we're going to have the exact same. Yeah, well, I do have a couple of caveats. Well, first of all, before we completely move full into uh, Thanksgiving food uh, mode, I do want to give a small shout-out to Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, who had six carries for 188 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Just a pretty incredible performance there. Um, However... Um, getting into my top five, I do have a couple caveats. Number one, um, I kind of – I may be spoiling something here, but um, I chose to do the different types of turkey as separate entities. Um, and I also uh, maybe have a food that maybe isn't just, like, for Thanksgiving. It could probably be used for, like, any time of year, but um, it is still one of the main things I look forward to on Thanksgiving. So I did just want to point those two things out before I, I, I get my top five. I think you know what it is. Yeah, I know what it is. All right, go ahead. Let's see. So are we going to go, I say five, he says five, or am I going to do my five and then he's going to do his five? How do you want to do it, Alex? It's up to you. Uh, five, five and five, I like that. All right, well, I'll go first. My number five is is the one I was just referring to, and that would be mac and cheese. Uh, typically, I would prefer like the casserole style where the melted cheese is like baked on top. Um, and it's more of a casserole than like a, you know, like nacho cheese and noodles type situation. Of course. Who, who makes right. the cheese whole? <laughs> and my number five is uh, mashed potatoes with turkey gravy on it. Oh, <laughs> I don't know if you heard me whole, but who, who makes the best mac and cheese that you eat? Uh, my mom, for sure. Okay. Uh, and actually, why don't y'all say who makes the best of each food while you're at it? Because if it's like a family member yeah. or what? Because my, my mom makes the mac and cheese at my Thanksgiving, so I'll give a shout-out to, to my mom. I mean, what if, this, what if this favorite person that makes it is not actually at your Thanksgiving? Can I still say it? Yeah. Okay. Well, my mashed potatoes and turkey gravy, my favorite mashed potatoes is my grandmother's. Uh, hers is like just the perfect blend of uh, butter and herbs in it. 
and herbs. it is perfect. Bigger blend of herbs and spices. Yeah, like KFC. Item number four, Hulk. Uh, number four, I'm actually going to go with smoked turkey. Um, definitely would like some gravy on that as well. Uh, but I'm a big fan of the smoked turkey. It is my second favorite type of turkey. And uh, it is my fourth favorite Thanksgiving food. JB? All right. So, quick note. I did not put turkey anywhere in my top five because, I mean, I, I, I went mainly with just side items. But uh, my number four side item is uh, green bean casserole. Oh, no. I mean, green bean casserole is one of my all-time favorite uh, sides. I mean, it was either going to be green bean casserole or spinach casserole, but green bean casserole is more common at Thanksgiving, so I went with that as number four. For green me. bean casserole. Yeah, yeah, that's what I say. Every time I hear green bean casserole, I think. Is it, is it grandma's recipe, though? Yeah. It is grandma's <laughs> recipe. There you go. But I'm not going to give it with that little fake twang, okay? I'm just going to say it with my normal southern accent. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not a fan of green bean casserole at all, personally. Yeah. I will get a little bit just because I want to have, like, something green on my plate. And, you know, usually I like to be respectful to the people in my family who bring food. So I try to eat a little bit of everything. Um, and then coming at number three is actually my other favorite kind of turkey, and that will be fried turkey. Um, big, big fan of fried turkey and smoked turkey, but I do like fried turkey just a little bit more. Um my family does it big. We like to have a smoked turkey and a fried turkey, both. Um, and I do like to get a little bit of each. And but I'm slightly more partial to the to the fried turkey. It's just juicy, right? Yeah, it's super juicy. Uh, you know, it's got that. It it's like real fatty, you know, because it's got all that oil in there, and um, you know, it soaks into it. So, and then obviously, like the crust on the outside is spectacular. Um, Usually, like, we actually buy it. We don't actually try to fry it ourselves. So, shout out to uh, our guy, Brian Michaels, who used to have a – actually used to have a restaurant in Starbowl, but doesn't anymore. just does catering. But he makes our turkey for us. So, shout out to him. And uh, my number three is mac and cheese, which is a little bit further up the list than what Holtz is. But I have a preference on the mac and cheese, too. I don't like mac and cheese. It's just, like, cheese sauce and macaroni. Like you got to have a little bit of a casserole type mac and cheese with me. Like it's got to be, it's, it's got to be layered with, you know, with like cheddar cheese and like Colby Jack cheese. Jamie, are you shitting me? Do you you listen to Holt at all? Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Jamie, you said like exactly the same thing Holt said. Like I thought you were doing it as a joke, but like I think you didn't even listen to him at all. I, you knew he said mac and cheese. But like it, you said, like literally the exact same thing. You're like not the nacho <laughs> cheese and noodles. <laughs> like, I, like I didn't say nacho cheese, cheese, but uh, yeah, I listened to him. But I guess you know, I, for whatever reason, I have like selective memory, and I just didn't remember what he said. You know, three minutes mm-hmm. ago. So I just went no, ahead. I don't think you were listening. I don't think you're listening. It's okay. Yeah, he was he was super into his top five over there. I think uh, he was really just trying to make sure everything was in order and exactly the way he wanted it. I yeah, I put a lot of thought and emphasis into my top five. But uh, moving on to uh, to my number two, um, I also prefer to have gravy on this. With pretty much, I mean, I pretty much just pour gravy all over my whole plate. Um, but uh, I'm a huge fan of my aunt Jenny's cornbread um, dressing. Um, it's probably. She makes the best dressing I've ever had. Um, she usually makes like two or three of them because it's in such high demand. So uh, shout out to my Aunt Jenny. Um, really Jenny. looking forward to her cornbread dressing on uh, on Thanksgiving. Do you ever call her Jenny? I'm sure she gets that all the time. 
No, she actually spells it with a G, so you shouldn't even spell the yeah. Giants. Yeah. Pretty Yo cool. G. Mm-hmm. And uh, my number two is a sweet potato casserole without the nuts in it. You can't have any nuts in it. Otherwise, I'm going to be raising hell at my family members if they put nuts in it. But I, I really like sweet potato casserole. I mean, just give me all the carbs, man. I'm uh, I'm glad that I made the list. I was getting kind of nervous that that wasn't going to make one of y'all's list. Made my list. Yeah, and um, it's kind of a spoiler for me, but my number one is uh, sweet potato casserole. Um, that is one of my favorite foods ever. Um, I will eat it any time of year. Anytime I go to like a Southern style place that has sweet potato casserole, I'll always get it. Um, I do like pecans in it. Um, I'm usually not as much of a fan as, you know, with the mushrooms. I mean, not mushrooms, of course. <laughs> but uh, uh, very savory marshmallows is what I meant to say. Uh, not, not a, definitely not a fan of the mushrooms on sweet potato casserole. Um, but a lot of people do like the mushroom or the fucking goddamn. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of people do like the uh, marshmallows, uh, but I'm not as much of a fan of that. I definitely prefer uh, the pecans uh, in my sweet potato casserole, and that is by far my favorite. Um, my grandmother makes it really good, uh, so shout out to her, and I hope she's making it this year. Um, I haven't confirmed with her, but. I hope she is because that's like my favorite Thanksgiving food ever. No mushrooms. Thank you. Notable misses in your top fives is uh, potato <laughs> salad and deviled eggs. Those are usually pretty good. Well, JB didn't even say he's number one yet. Oh, I thought he did. No, I have not. But my number one, I mean, me and Holt had, are flip-flopping here, but my number one is cornbread dressing. I mean, I can eat cornbread dressing year-round. It's one of my all-time favorite foods. On Like, as far as the side item, I like getting it anywhere I can go that has it. And I like mine with some gravy. I don't like to overpower it with gravy because I think good cornbread dressing can, that can stand out on its own doesn't have to have as much gravy. But my favorite cornbread dressing is my great-grandmother's, my late great-grandmother who passed away years ago. But my grandmother took on her recipe and started making it herself. And she makes it just as good. And uh, that's those. That's definitely my number one favorite Thanksgiving food. So what what do you got, Alex? I know I you got said some things we're missing, but like, do you have a top five? Like, are you just gonna like throw some stuff out there? Or, like, you have a favorite? Uh, like, how you can do this? I like actually. I like ham. I like ham more than turkey. I know that might be like sacrilegious, but yeah, I like like because we get you get like the honey glazed ham, and it's pretty good to me. So I like that a lot. Um, sometimes we do pasta salad, and that's kind of good, but. Um, deviled eggs are usually like the thing that things that go really fast. I like pumpkin pie, sweet potato pie, obviously, and um, what else? Uh, dressing and if we do cornbreads, it's pretty good too. But yeah. coconut pepper. cream pie, I'm also a big fan of. Apple pie is probably yeah. caramel apple pie is my go-to. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Not apple pie, but caramel apple pie. Like there's a difference, and it's so good. Yeah. Are y'all gonna eat? Like a Thanksgiving meal around like two or three and not eat like the rest of the day before or after that? Um, I'm actually uh, probably going to be eating two Thanksgivings. Me too. Um, I'm probably going to have one around like 12 or one and then uh, probably head over to the tailgate where we're going to have another one with our uh, with my tailgate friends uh, before the egg bowl. So two two separate Thanksgivings for me, most likely. Um, hopefully there will be lots of leftovers for me to munch on in the days after. Yeah, for me, I'm getting two Thanksgivings as well, one at noon and one at six. The one at noon is with uh, my side of the family, and then at six o'clock it's going to be with my girlfriend's family. 
And all, all in between that, I'm probably going to go do a little bit of Black Friday shopping too at around four o'clock uh, at halftime of the uh, NFL game. So I got a jam packed day on Thursday. It's going to be a long day for me. That does not sound fun shopping on Black Friday. You can get some deals though, but I mean, that's yeah. actually technically Thursday, Thanksgiving. Yeah, I was about to say, are the places going to be open on Thursday? Yeah, Target opens at like four o'clock on Thanksgiving oh. Day. See, I didn't are you, know that. Are you getting a TV, Jamie? What are you getting? I am getting a TV. Okay, that's what I was going to say. That's the only reason why I would think somebody would. And I'm also getting uh, my both my parents uh, their Christmas gifts, too, which I won't give away, but they are 50% off what their normal price is, so I'm definitely doing it. Are you going to tell them that when you give it to them? Like, hey, this is 50% off? <laughs> no, they're not going to ever know because they don't listen to this podcast. I don't think so. I'm safe. <laughs> Mr. John, if you're listening, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Rolls up. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that throw by two? <laughs> I don't know if they're going to win this game, Jordan. I just don't think they're going to win it when they're up by 21 with like five minutes left in the third quarter against, you know, some nobody. Like, man, this Western Carolina is tough. That's scored three. <laughs> I think we got JB going, rolling enough for the week 14 preview, the rivalry week. This is the best week in college football, right? Besides, like, maybe the playoff or the championship week, conference championship week. I think this might be the best. I don't know. It's it's tough because there's rivalry week. First week is a big deal. Oh, this is week by far. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Rivalry week's the best week. It's just, you know, it's, they always say, you know, the best for last. Of course, some games, some rivalry games are not going to be as marquee as others like this year. I mean, Florida, Florida State, Clemson, South Carolina, Georgia Tech, and Georgia. Like, those games aren't really marquee this year because one of the teams in each game sucks pretty much. Yeah. Are you scared, Debbie, as a Tennessee fan, even though you should win this game by double digits against Vanderbilt, um, just given that Vanderbilt's beat Tennessee last, like, three years? I'm actually not. I, actually, I think Tennessee is going to probably go into that game, and I think they're going to be able to cover the spread. I think right now it's a 20-point spread. I think Tennessee is going to really come into this game focused, and I think they're going to uh, win this one big. I mean, I just think that Tennessee is just a much better team than Vanderbilt right now. And I'm no disrespect to Vanderbilt. I mean, I, they've won the last three. But, I mean, Tennessee right now is just playing much better ball than Vanderbilt, and they're at home. It's senior day. And I think the team is going to want to put on a show for its crowd, you know, that's been it, that's supported them through the thick and thin through this past year. Yeah, this isn't even going to be a game that I would want to do a pick em for because I just think it's too easy to pick Tennessee in this game. Yeah, I would agree. I don't think it's tough. Um, on the other end of the spectrum, Holt, are you nervous about this Egg Bowl? I mean, I feel like you're always kind of nervous about the Egg Bowl, but um, I've tried really hard to just um, try to see this as a positive outcome no matter what happens. Um, <laughs> We're going with this. Go ahead. Yeah, because, I mean, obviously Mississippi State wins. That's great. And um, – you know, it's always good to beat Ole Miss. Um, and Mississippi State will be going to a bowl game. And you kind of have to, you know, feel like that this season was a disappointment, but it wasn't as bad as it could have been. Um, obviously, still being able to make a bowl game. And then if they lose, um, I actually feel like there's a really decent shot that Joe Moorhead is let go as Mississippi State's head coach. Um, there's been a lot of rumblings out of Starville that um, even if they win this game, that Joe Moorhead uh, could be leaving town. Um, so it'll be, you know, I try to see that as like a positive. Uh, I know it's probably not a good thing to be changing coaches every two years, but, um, you know, I think it's pretty safe to say Joe Moorhead is not a great coach. And, uh, you know, maybe if they take another swing at the, you know, the coaching hire, they can uh, hit a home run and maybe find someone really good. Um, so we'll just have to see. 
Do you think this uh, rumblings about Joe Moorhead leaving or getting fired after this game, no matter what, do you think it's artificial, like as in the media and the fans are creating this just to like hopefully build up steam and maybe actually happen? Or do you think this is legitimate? No, I think it's legit. I mean, it's one of those things where, um, you know, there's obviously there's a, you know, maybe eight to 12, I think maybe media members on the Mississippi State beat. And I pretty much uh, keep up with all of them and uh, pretty much read all their stuff. And it's pretty, it's pretty crazy how like they all went from saying there's no way Joe Moorhead gets fired to all of them being like, wow, like Joe Moorhead might actually be coaching for his job on the Egg Bowl. Like it literally happens like over the course of like one weekend where it seemed like every Mississippi State media member just completely switched their tune and completely changed uh, like their stance on where Joe Moorhead stands. Uh, it really makes you think that there is something legit to it um, because I think if, you know, if this was more smoke then there may be some more mixed signals out there, but it seems like a pretty solid consensus throughout uh, people in the know that um, if Joe Moorhead loses this game on Thursday, that he might really be in trouble. So what's the, what's the exit strategy here for Moorhead? Is it just getting fired and then he will be a coordinator somewhere? Or do you think even if he wins or if he wins and doesn't get fired, or if he loses and doesn't get fired, do you think an exit strategy might be him like going trying to coach at Rutgers or somewhere else like that offense coordinator, some, something like that? Yeah, I mean, I think he's definitely just going to try to, you know, I don't know if he's going to be able to get a job before he's let go. I don't know. But I definitely feel like uh, Mississippi State may be strongly encouraging him to take another job. You know, I'm not really sure exactly, um, you know, how that process would work. But, I mean, you definitely have to feel like Moorhead's just going to try to get the best job he can. And, um, you know, Mississippi State is going to, you know, (laughs) hopefully try to – um, find a, help him find a spot and sort of that maybe they can negotiate down like his buyout or, or whatever money is owed to him going forward. Um, you know, I'm not really sure how that's going to work, if that would even work. I feel like maybe Moorhead may be more inclined to just take the firing and then just, you know, take whatever money is owed to him and then just kind of move on. So I, I still feel like uh, Moorhead could get a pretty good job somewhere as an offensive coordinator, and I still feel like he could probably get a head coaching job somewhere. Maybe not in the Power Five. Definitely not at a school where it's easy to win at. But Memphis. Yeah, I mean, you, you could see him uh, getting a, a Group of Five job, um, maybe somewhere like, especially somewhere up in like the Northeast where he's from. Um, and you know, maybe Rutgers is interested in him. Um, but uh, you know, obviously with it not working out with Greg Schiano apparently. But you know, we'll just have to wait and see. And uh, you know, I. Honestly, like, I wouldn't be surprised at all if the next time we record a podcast, uh, Joe Moore is no longer the coach of Mississippi State. The best thing that could happen to him is if he won this game and got a left after that, because then it doesn't look like he's, like, running. I mean, he, he is kind of running away, but then it's looking like, you know, I'd rather be a coach where they, I'm respected and appreciated more somewhere. Yeah. It's, not, it's well, not good to, like, get fired in your second year and, like, try to start over from that. I mean, you can definitely recover from it, but it's it's a lot harder – yeah, getting fired because people are always going to look back at your head coaching pass. I mean, that's how it was for Orgeron. Uh, that's how it's been for a lot of coaches. Um, when you have that first failure, you know, a lot of times you don't get that second really big opportunity. Um, but, uh, you know, at the same time, um, you know, you're talking about Moorhead and wanting to move on. Like how much of a power move? I think I said this to JB, but uh, off air, but how much of a power move would it be? for Mississippi State to fire Joe Moorhead after winning the Egg Bowl, like two straight Egg Bowls and two straight bowl games. 
Um, I just feel like that would really uh, send a message uh, as far as like what's acceptable in Mississippi State, um, especially like towards Ole Miss, just being like, look, we don't even care about going to bowl games. We don't even care about beating you. Like, that's not good enough. Like, like I don't know. Like that part of part of me just like thinks that would be like really cool if they pulled off something like that. That would just to me really send a message to Ole Miss that like they're not important at all. This game is actually – I mean, all the Egg Bowls are important, obviously, for the state of Mississippi. But I feel like this one's really important, too, because um, if Mississippi State wins this game, they should they should win this game, and they are favored. But um, if they if they don't win this game, I mean, Ole Miss, like, they're not supposed to be good this year, and they could beat them this year um, in Starkville. And you kind of feel more comfortable with Ole Miss's coaching staff, even even though it's Matt Luke you feel more comfortable with them going forward, taking over the state. Because there's always, like, a battleground for the whole state. It's not like – I mean, I don't know if Ole Miss and Mississippi State, like, look at, like, the SEC West and say, all right, we need to win the SEC West, or if it's, like, we really need to win this state. Because I think that's really, really important for each team. Yeah, I think both teams really measure themselves based on where the other school is at. Um, you know, if one school is doing really well, then the other school is, you know, going to do whatever they can to move up and then – uh, if one school is doing really bad, you know, it's just kind of like, you know, well, is at least we're better than them kind of a thing. So um, I, I feel like they always are going to measure each other uh, against each other. But, um, you know, at the same time, I haven't really heard any rumors about Matt Luke being fired, even if they lose this game, which is kind of surprising. Uh, they did just name a new athletic director last week. And I just wonder if, you know, maybe he's going to want kind of a year or two uh, get settled in before he makes a coaching hire. Um, and, uh, you know, you look at Ole Miss's schedule this year and I mean, uh, you know, yeah, they competed against some good teams this year. You know, they played Auburn tough. They played Alabama tough. They, you know, uh, gave LSU some problems in the second half. Um, you know, they played A&M really close. So, um, but then you look at their wins and I mean, they beaten Arkansas, Vanderbilt, Southeast Louisiana and New Mexico state, who I'm pretty sure have a combined, like four wins between the four of them or five wins between the four of them or something like that. So, um, you know, they've been competitive in some games, but they've also just, they haven't really beat anyone of any significance. Like miss, if they beat Mississippi state, that would be like by far their best one of the year. And that's really saying something. Let's uh, let's kind of do a quick preview of the actual game. What, what we're, what we should watch out for. And then we can move on to the other bigger games. Hold. So who's the biggest playmaker in this game? Is it Colin Hill? Or is it Matt, not Matt Crowd, the um, Plumlee? Rice Plumlee. Yeah. John Rice Plumlee. Yeah, I mean, it's – I mean, it really is between those two. I mean, I think, you know, if Plumlee is able to create big plays for touchdowns, then I think Ole Miss really has a shot to win this game. Um, I think that's really what it's going to come down to. Um, we know that Plumlee's going to have some big runs in this game. We know that Ely's probably going to have some big runs in this game. Um but the real question is, are they able to get the ball in the end zone? Uh, because that's kind of been their problem this year. Um, they're very one-dimensional on offense. And um, if they're not able to, uh, get, you know, get those long runs for touchdowns, then it's going to be really hard for them to uh, to stay in this game, I think, because, um, you know, obviously I think Mississippi State's offense is definitely, you know, not been consistent this year. But um, I think it's been a little bit more consistent and more balanced than Ole Miss this year. And, um, you know, we know Ole Miss is going to rip off some big runs, just like I said. But if they're not able to get in the end zone, then um, I don't think they're going to have much of a chance in this one. I think they're going to have to have those big runs go for touchdowns like they did in the LSU game. 
We went to the Egg Bowl uh, a few years ago in Oxford. Can you give me an idea, though? I mean, you've been to more Egg Bowls than I have. At, this game's at Starkville. Is it? It's not going to be completely fifty-fifty. It's what? What would you measure like the amount of Ole Miss fans be there being there as? I mean, I would say probably like eighty twenty or something like that. I mean, I would it, guess equal. It's usually about what it is. Um, yeah, it's never. You don't ever see many visiting fans like from either school like come in droves to the other to their school. Yeah, I mean they'll fill out their section for sure, um, and then they'll you know be scattered throughout the stadium, but. I think, you know, it's still going to be mostly Mississippi State fans. And, um, you know, it should be a really exciting environment. Um, but, you know, the road team's won, I think, three in a row now. So, um, it's been pretty – or maybe four in a row now, I believe. So it's four in a row. Yeah, the road team has pretty much uh, done really well in the series the last four. So, um, that may be something to watch out for as well. I don't know if it's because uh, we're so local to both these schools – um, growing up in Memphis, but I just really like this rivalry. I mean, these these teams haven't been the greatest in the world over the years, but it's just it's fun because they really do hate each other. I know we said that many times on this podcast, but um, they really just hate each other and don't respect each other. No, I mean that's that's what I always say about this rivalry is that like when you look at um, Alabama LSU and Alabama Auburn and Ohio State Michigan. Um, you know, and just some of the big rivalries in college football, like whether teams are willing to admit it or not, they have like some like type of respect for each other. Uh, but when Mississippi State and Ole Miss play, there's like there's no respect at all. I mean, it's just it's two teams that just absolutely think that the other program is just like the worst of the worst, and just um, you know what I mean. Like it, it isn't even like. Um, it's sort of a situation where they look at each other and they're like, you know, like, yeah, we're bad, but we're not as bad as them. And it's kind of like, you know, that I hate to use this analogy, but it's kind of like the, you know, the two runs of the litter, like fighting over like the last teat or whatever at the, you know. Yeah. We suck, but not as bad as them. Yeah. I mean, that's basically what it is. I mean, it's basically like, you know, yeah, like we might suck, but at least we're better than, at least we're better than them. Let's talk about the iron ball. JB, is there any way uh, we can have some magic in Auburn this weekend and they can actually knock off Alabama? I mean, there's a lot of pressure on Gus and Auburn to win this game to prove themselves, to really just prove himself as a coach. Absolutely. I mean, I think that uh, this game is really kind of evenly matched. I mean, Alabama's only a uh, slight favorite by about uh, points, I think, last I saw. And, you know, they don't have uh, two attack of Iowa playing either, which is a, you know, huge loss for that offense. And, I mean, Mac Jones, he, let's give him some credit. He's been he's done pretty well this last uh, this last game he did. I mean, of course, it wasn't great competition, but he's not a terrible quarterback. I mean, I think with him having a game plan, you know, with him knowing he's going to be the starter, I mean, I think he's going to be ready for this game. He knows the stakes that are at hand. And, I mean, plus on the flip side, Auburn knows what they're up against too. They're at home. Uh, they need a signature victory, you know, this year. I think, uh, you know, Gus, Mal- Gus Malzahn knows he needs this victory, too. I mean, I don't think he's necessarily off the hook like some people think he is. I mean, a lot of people think he's going to be back next year. I don't I don't believe in that completely yet. I think he really needs to win this game to uh, definitely save his job. I mean, I, th- I think he has to have a great showing, too. And, I mean, I don't really know who – honestly, this game is really, really hard for me to dis- decipher, too, because I think both defenses are – playing pretty well right now. I think Auburn's defense is really good up front. Uh, but it's really going to be how Auburn can, shut, can slow down Alabama's offense because I don't know how well Auburn's going to be able to move the ball on Alabama's defense. 
Oh, do you think um, you think Gustin going to be doing some stupid ass plays against Alabama that's not going to work and like lose five or ten yards on like these reverses? <laughs> I mean, it really wouldn't surprise me at all. Um, and then you know, you also have to think about Bo Nix. Um, you know, has not necessarily gotten a lot better as the season's gone on. Um, I think he may have improved just a little bit, but not significantly. Um, still missing a lot of easy throws and um, just isn't as consistent as you would like to see in the passing game. Um, I think he's really going to need to make some plays with his legs if Auburn's going to have a chance. Um, you know, he's really going to have to run for some first downs, uh, most notably on third downs, um, if they're going to have any shot of winning this game, um, which is kind of crazy to say with, you know, Alabama playing with Mac Jones. But, you know, you really still have to think about all those receivers they have, and they're going to find ways to give them the ball. And um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if we saw a lot of, you know, quick screens and slants and things like that get, uh, you know, routes. yeah, and try to take the Auburn defensive line out of the game and really uh, try to win the perimeter um, with those receivers. Because I don't think it's going to take a lot for Alabama to, on offense to win this game. Um I think yeah. if they score 20, they win. Yeah, that's I mean, I, that's really what it's going to come down to. It's going to be a low-scoring game. Uh, you know, I always tend to lead towards low-scoring games and robbery games, not to mention these are two offenses where one has been struggling all year, one is playing with the backup quarterback, and both defenses have been pretty good this year. You know, we talk about Alabama's defense not being that great this year, but, you know, they're not that much worse than Auburn has been this year, um, you know, just looking at yardage at least. So, um you know, Alabama's defense is still talented. They're not as good as some Alabama defenses in the past, but, you know, they're definitely not bad either. If you're Auburn, though, I mean, I don't think Gus is a necessarily a bad coach, but if they lose this game going eight and four, this game's at Auburn and you don't have two uh, for Alabama. I mean, it's kind of like where where do you want to be as a program? I guess that's the question you'd have to answer if you're like the Auburn admin here is or the athletic director, I guess, is that – you know, we're, we're good, we're decent, but, I mean, ultimately we have to compete in the SEC and beat teams like LSU and Alabama and Georgia. And, like, they're, they're you know, going to go 8-4, and 9-3 and three or whatever, but they want to be a top-10 team and competing for the playoff, and they haven't done that lately. And they've had chances and opportunities. They just haven't been, been able to get it done for some reason. Usually it's the offense, they're the quarterback, but um, – and that's kind of what it is this year too. Yeah, and, I mean – I said this a couple weeks ago on the podcast, but, you know, you look at Auburn next year and they're losing a lot on both lines of scrimmage. They're losing, I think, four of their five starting offensive linemen. They're going to be losing uh, Brown and Davidson on the defensive line. Um, You know, they're really losing a lot off this year's team, and I just have a hard time believing they're going to be able to bounce back and have a really good year next year. Um, So, you know, if you're Auburn, this might actually be a good year to just go ahead and hit the reset button and move on from Malzahn. because it's not going to be any better next year. You've got Alabama and Georgia on the road next year as well. Um, so, you know, you just start looking at that and you just start thinking like, man, like, um, is he going to be able to survive next year with all those people they lose? Maybe now would be a good time to go ahead and move on if uh, he's not able to get the win. But if he does get the win, I don't see how you do fire him because, I mean, you yeah. can't fire a coach right after he beats Alabama. Like, there's just no way. Though they would beat Alabama and then lose, like, and look horrible in the bowl mm-hmm. game, whatever bowl game they're in. That that would be very expected. Yeah, that's that's typical, guys. Um, I would, you know, Auburn's a great job and has a great program and has a great history, but I wouldn't really. I mean, maybe this is a bitch ass move, but I wouldn't want to go to Auburn right now and 
uh, try to compete against Nick Saban, Alabama, and LSU the way that's going. Just the general SEC West. I mean, it's just like you're going to have to win 10 games almost every year to keep your job. And that's just so much pressure and so hard. And they play Georgia every year. So on top of that, so that's even like tougher. It's just, yeah. Well, that's the thing is, I mean, you know, but we say this all the time about coaches and their egos. I mean, I just feel like every coach feels like, you know, Oh, if I had what Auburn had, then I could, you know, I could win against Nick Saban or Kirby smart or whoever, you know what I mean? That's just how coaches are. So I still think they'd find a good coach to take the job. Um, but yeah, I mean, those expectations are very high there and, um, you know, you're having to compete against two of the best coaches in the country as your two biggest rivals. And then obviously LSU is no slouch either, uh, with the way Orgeron's recruiting and the way they've gotten the offense rolling. So, um, it's definitely a tough job, but I think, I still think they'd be able to find someone, you know, really qualified for that job. A&M LSU. JB, are we calling this game a rivalry now? Yeah, this is definitely a rivalry. I mean, I think. I think it's going to be a robbery in the foreseeable future. I mean, if, of course, you know, A&M breaking the streak last year. I mean, granted, I think this year is more of a mismatch. But A&M, you know, is going to be hosting them next year. And, and LSU is going to lose some pieces off this team. a and going to have a lot of returning players and being at home. I mean, I think it's definitely turning into a robbery. And the SEC has been pushing for this to be a major robbery. And, you know, both of these schools uh, have some really passionate fan bases, great tradition, great facilities, uh, you know, big stadiums and they both recruit a lot of the same territories too. I mean, this is a robbery I've been wanting to see ever since A&M came to the SEC and it's finally starting to uh, take shape. Yeah. What about the game, JB? I mean, uh, I feel like LSU still thinks about that seven overtime game last year, whatever it was, eight overtime game last year. Oh yeah. They have not forgotten about it at all. And I think it's going to be a bloodbath. I mean, I think LSU is going to really come out, you know, you know, guns blazing in the beginning of this game. I, I think it's going to be a lot of adrenaline. And uh, they might be, you know, overplaying a little bit, but I think that LSU is really poised to try to, uh, you know, blow them out in this game. I mean, a And M better be ready because I think Hel- I think Ordron's going to almost throw everything in the kitchen sink in this game that he hasn't. Some things that maybe he hasn't shown yet this year, not everything, but maybe a couple plays, a couple things that he hasn't shown yet because I think he's been saving for this game too all year, not just the Alabama game, but this one too. I mean, this is. This is not as important as Alabama to Orgeron, but I think it's the second most important game on the schedule to him. I mean, he's got a lot, you know, bad blood that happened from last year's game. You know, you say that they're going to come out fast against AM, but they didn't uh, come out strong against Arkansas. They looked a little flat. Well, yes, but that was also because it's Arkansas. I mean, you saw the way Orgeron uh, disrespected Arkansas in the postgame. I mean, you could obviously tell LSU was looking ahead to the AM game. I mean, Granted, A&M is, you know, not as nearly as good as LSU, but those LSU players have not forgotten about last year's game either. And you know they're look, they've been looking forward to this LSU game, this uh, A&M game. They've had that game circled on their calendar ever since what happened last year. Yeah, I feel bad for A&M. I mean, they, they just got back from Georgia, and that was a tough game. Now they have to go play LSU at LSU. It's, it's tough. It's tough being A&M. It yeah. is. It is. Um, Florida State, Florida Hold. This game is going to be an easy one for Florida um, anything you want to add on to this? I mean, Florida State's technically bowl eligible right now. I mean, anything could happen in a robbery game, I guess, right? Um, not in this one, I don't think. I mean, Florida <laughs> State's defense has been so bad this year. Um, I just really expect Florida to move the ball over them. And, um, you know, Florida State's offense has put up some numbers this year, but I don't think they face a defense outside of Clemson that's really um, on Florida's level. Um, I think that Florida State's really going to have a hard time moving the ball in this one. They're going to have a really hard time stopping uh, Florida's offense. And uh, 
Kyle Trask. So I expect a, a pretty easy one in this one, and I wouldn't be surprised at all either if, um, you know, Damon decided to run up to score, uh, you know, late in the game, uh, maybe call a timeout or something, uh, kind of try to rub it in a little bit at the end of the game. It just strikes me as kind of a one of those games Damon's going to try to make an example out of Florida State. Do you think Cam Akers regrets going to Florida State now? I mean, I don't think so. I mean, I, he still had a really good career. Um, he's been on some bad teams and has obviously had to play for a few different coaches. But, I mean, I think the other school he was considering at the time was Ole Miss. So, I mean, it's not like that would have been any better, um, you know, maybe even worse, to be honest. So, um, I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, maybe he could have stayed committed to Alabama, which is where I think he was committed his junior year in high school. But um, aside from that, I mean, you know, it's just kind of how it goes sometimes. Uh, you know, Especially sometimes- when really good players end up going to, like, schools that aren't as great or aren't as great as they should be. Florida State should have been a good school. It's just they it wasn't during his Yeah, and, I mean, there's a lot of people when he was coming out of high school saying that he was the best high school football player they'd ever seen. A lot of people around the state of Mississippi who have seen, obviously, like a lot of really talented players come out of that state, and um, a lot of people considered him one, of, you know, one of if not the best player to ever come out of Mississippi. And um, you know, he's had a really good career at Florida State, but it's been really overshadowed by him being on some really bad teams. And um, you know, he probably doesn't get the national recognition that he deserves, uh, being as talented as he is. I mean, is he is he for sure going to the draft? You think after this? I have no idea. Um, I haven't really done any research on that at all. I haven't seen, like, where he's ranked or um, yeah, I haven't heard any, any rumors about him. Uh, maybe he'll transfer to Mississippi State as a grad transfer. There you go. I mean, you got to get one eventually. Yeah, well, him and Colin Hill were, like, the one and two running backs uh, coming out of the state that year. Uh, Colin Hill was actually really overlooked because of Cam Akers. But, um, you know, you look at their college careers and it's been pretty similar. The state of Mississippi has some good running backs. That's where Memphis got uh, Daryl Henderson and then uh, Kenny Gainwell's from Mississippi. And I don't know how like everybody overlooked both of them, but they were really good. Because I think uh, Daryl Henderson was actually like the uh, player of the year, whatever it's called, Mr. Football from Mississippi. Yeah. Yeah, definitely a lot of underrated players come out of Mississippi. Not always the most highly recruited, but definitely a lot of really talented players in the state of Mississippi, especially considering the population is so low. Yeah, other games. Louisville at Kentucky. Well, this one's actually going to be a close one and a good one. Louisville's uh, played pretty well or kind of turned it around this year compared to last year with Satterfield. And um, Kentucky is obviously uh, not an easy winner. I mean, you know you can't just walk up into the grocery store and expect to win. So it's it's going to be a tough one. No, it definitely is. In a rivalry game, um, you know, anything can happen. Um, you know, the first thing I wanted to see in this game was how does – uh, Louisville do against the run they're giving up uh, over 180 rushing yards a game which you know is not terrible but it's not very good either um, but I think in a rivalry game um, I just I think that just rivalry games you kind of have to go with the run defense maybe a little bit more just because teams are playing with a lot of emotion and you know they're gonna be a little bit more geared up to stop the run and they're gonna be playing a little you know with a lot more emotion and I just think that kind of maybe plays in Louisville's favor a little bit in this one um, Louisville's defense has been pretty pretty bad this year, um, giving up over 440 yards a game. Um, but their offense has really been kind of what's carried them. They've been really balanced on offense. Um, you know, 214 yards rushing a game, 238 uh, through the air. So, 
Um, really balanced offensive attack. And uh, Scott Satterfield is a really good coach. Um, you know, I think Kentucky, um, this is going to be a really tough, tough one for them. And uh, I'm obviously going to be pulling for my guy, Lynn Bowden, uh, to have another huge game. But uh, it's it's definitely not going to be an easy win for Kentucky. This they're really going to have to fight and call for a win in this one, for sure. Um, JB, is there anything we can really say about this Clemson South Carolina game? I mean, again, rivalry games you never really know what's going to happen. Or I guess anything could happen, but this one seems like it's <laughs> over before it even starts. Right, but the funniest thing I can remember was this. I don't if you remember back at media days. Some uh, beat writer, I don't know what school it was for or what magazine it was, but some writer asked um, Will Muschamp um, if South Carolina is the little brother to Clemson. And Muschamp just like, like, no, we're not the little brother. And then just stared him down for like a few seconds and then looked away. <laughs> funny. Yeah, but, I mean, I, I, it's hard for me to give South Carolina much of a chance in this one. I mean, it's a robbery game, and, you know, anything can go in a robbery game. But, come on, I mean, Clemson – Obviously, can't afford to lose a game either. I mean, if Clemson were to lose this game, I mean, they're done with the college football playoff. And because just because of how bad their schedule is, I mean, so you know, Clemson's going to come in focus as well. They're the much more talented team. Uh, you know, they got, you know, a great coach in Davo Sweeney. They're going to be prepared. I mean, I think they're going to win this game, you know, within blowout fashion, too. I don't think it's going to be close. Yeah. Are we um, – nobody's even – it seems like nobody's talking about Trevor Lawrence this year. Everybody was, like, crazy about him to start the year, but it seems like nobody's really talking about Clemson or Trevor Lawrence this year. Yeah, but Trevor Lawrence has gotten much better the second half of the season. I mean, he had a little bit of a sophomore slump, you know, the first half of this year, but they've really settled down. I mean, their offense is really clicking at the right time now, and their defense is like, not missed the beat at all from last year. I mean, Clemson's, like, really kind of been forgotten about because, you know, Ohio State and LSU overshadowing everybody, but this Clemson team – is still really good and still arguably, you know, the best team in the country, depending on who you talk to. I mean, I think they're going to be right up there at the end of this year. And I, I would probably say they're going to be in the championship game again. I mean, they just, they've been there, they've done it and they've still got a lot. They, they got an established culture. I mean, I just, I don't know why they kind of are forgotten, but they shouldn't be. Yeah. Uh, Clemson definitely still scares me. Whole smash. Uh, we got Georgia at Georgia Tech. Uh, clean, old-fashioned hate. And this one does feel like a little brother situation. Oh, no, it absolutely is. I mean, uh, I don't even know if Georgia Tech fans would really even disagree with that. I mean, even, <laughs> yeah. even like in their good years, um, you know, Georgia Tech is a little bit more of like the academic school, obviously. And, uh, you know, Georgia's more of the, you know, athletics first type, <laughs> type of school. Um you know, I really like uh, Jeff Collins. Obviously, he was Mississippi State's defense coordinator for a while, so I'm pretty familiar with him and uh, his personality. So um, I like him a lot, and I think that he's going to do some good things there. But like we talked about when they hired him, I mean, anytime you're switching out of the triple option, um, it's just going to be really difficult. And um, he's going to need a few years to get his guys in, and I think he is recruiting pretty well. Um, but he's going to need a few years to get his guys in, and um, they're just not a very good team this year. Uh you know, they do have a couple of nice wins. Um, obviously, uh, one against NC State, who's having a really down year. They were able to get a win over uh, Miami as well um, on the road in overtime. Um, and then, you know, they also beat South Florida. So, um, nice little win there. Um, but uh, definitely not a very good team this year. And, um, I mean, just looking at the numbers, I mean, they according to the ESPN FBI, they have uh, a 2.1% chance of winning this game. Um, so definitely, uh, 
definitely going to be a tough one for uh, Georgia Tech to pull out the win in this one. Um, so you definitely have to give uh, Georgia uh, the edge here, and they should win this game pretty comfortably. For sure. Let's see what other games I miss in the SEC. Oh, the biggest robbery. Yeah. The biggest the robbery in college football. You got to say the best for last year. Yeah. Do you remember whole last year when Bielema took a shit on the 50-yard line for this game? Yeah, I, I just wish that Chad Morris was still here to own up for all the crap he was talking about Barry Odom before the season. Um, all, all the bad stuff he was saying about him. Uh, yeah. You know, gonna, I heard. I heard yeah, I heard Derek Dooley has uh, been been talking some crap about uh, John Chavis. Um, just uh, a lot, a lot of tra- <laughs> a lot of trash talk going on. Um, you know, this is obviously a very hated rivalry. Um, and then I believe is it Jonathan Nance that uh, was the transfer from Arkansas. I think he's Missouri's leading receiver this year. He is indeed. Um, so um, former uh, Arkansas Razorback, now uh, turncoat, playing for the uh, the hated Missouri Tigers. Um, they should um, they should just let Derek Dooley and John Chavis coach these game this game because both coaches like are. Probably, I mean, probably as good as you're going to get otherwise. Yeah, I, I actually wouldn't mind seeing uh, a wrestling match between Barry Odom and John Chavis. I feel like that would be a pretty solid matchup. Derek Dooley would probably just get killed, but I, actually, I would enjoy that. I would enjoy Chavis versus Dooley. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know. I mean, I guess Chavis is old, maybe, but I don't know what what like how uh, Derek Dooley would have a chance in that honestly oh do you remember uh you remember vice principals like the skinny guy walton goggins yeah that's who derek Dooley reminds me of when he the way when he the way he talks yeah i don't know if i if i see it quite that much but um it's i guess goofy. he sounds goofy when he talks yeah no, he definitely does sound goofy when he talks and he does not sound like a very intelligent person when he talks so i'll definitely say that I remember it when he's wearing those bright orange pants, JB. Yeah, the uh, famous orange pants. I always wonder if he still has a pair of those, too. You know, he didn't you don't just throw those away. Yeah. You got to hang on to those. Yeah, I mean, they're epic. Yeah. So, the game holds. Um, is this the game where we're going to see Arkansas actually get a win? I mean, Barry Odom does suck. And if you truly believe that as a, as a, as a man, you would pick Arkansas to beat Missouri here. Yeah, well, I mean, just look at how – Missouri's played on the road this year. I mean, they lost to uh, Wyoming, Kentucky, and probably worst of all, Vanderbilt on the road this year. So, um, Missouri going on the road has been quite an adventure this year. Um, you know, but I tell you what, Arkansas has been pretty bad. Um, got absolutely embarrassed last week by LSU. Got blown out by Mississippi State and Western Kentucky the two weeks before that. So, I mean, it's hard to have any hope. Uh, maybe Arkansas can muster up some, um, you know, some type of a performance in this one, and maybe Missouri just doesn't care. Um, I still don't believe Missouri's heard on whether or not they're going to be able to, able to go to a bowl game if they win this game. Yeah, they're still currently in appeal. Yeah, so I'm not sure why maybe they're waiting until they get their sixth win before they, uh, <laughs> like, before I guess they um, try to get a decision, but. Um, you know, I, I don't know if they're going to be able to go to a bowl game, even if they do win this game. Uh, I don't know if either team is going to be super motivated aside from just, you know, the absolute hate they feel for each other. But, you know, obviously this is 
a huge rivalry game being border states and all. They're just natural rivals, <laughs> and they have a long history of hating each other. Yeah, and apparently, like, I don't, someone can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, the way I understand this appeals process for Missouri is that while they're still under the appeal, that they're going to be able to go play in a bowl uh, unless the NCAA turns down its appeal before it, uh, Missouri is selected into a bowl. So let's say if Missouri gets selected in the Liberty Bowl and then the NCAA makes a decision, well, it would be already be too late. Missouri would be playing in Liberty Bowl. So that's how I understand it right now. So I think right now if the NCAA doesn't make a decision, uh, Missouri will be playing in a bowl this year. Which is really kind of hard to understand, but you know, that's a you know they're they got they live in their own little world. Yeah, I agree with you, JB. What do you think? Of- mm, I don't, I don't know. I just don't understand the NCAA of that. Um, the only national game. Uh, I might want to talk about is Ohio State Michigan. There is uh, Wisconsin and Minnesota, which is a game day game. But I think um, we can save what we're going to talk about them for our picks because we'll we'll definitely pick those two games. So um, I'll just reserve the talking for those two games uh, for the picks. So we'll get to our picks sections, and this might or might not be our last week for the pickums. Uh, there is a little contest we have going on throughout the whole year since the beginning of the year where JB and Holt pick the winners of each game and the loser has to um, wear the uh, winner's team's colors or jacket or whatever and make it their Facebook and Twitter profile picture for a month. And right now I think JB has a five-game lead if I'm right. No, it's four games currently. Four games. So – we we do need need to make a decision um, on if we're going to continue this uh, going into bowl season or into yeah. conference championship week. No, it because... definitely does not end until after bowl season. <laughs> <That's simple. laughs> we do. We have. I have ten games to pick this week. So Holt, you could theoretically make up ground unless JB decides to pick every single game you're picking um, the same. So it could happen, but these are. True toss-ups because these are um, rivalry games. So, I'm, I'm excited to see what y'all have to pick. Okay. Here. So, remember that list I sent you, Alex? Um, I'm sure it's probably the same as yours. But um, you obviously probably didn't – you left one of the games off. So, I am curious which one you did leave off the list. I didn't even look at your list because at the time <laughs> you sent me that, then Holt sent me like 50 and I just – I didn't look. So, <laughs> <laughs> and that was like a pure play on like yeah. let's look. But at least – yeah, yeah, that's 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 fine, whatever. But uh, I'll 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 star next to the games that are that we pick, and if there's something that's left on this list that Holt and I want to pick, uh, we'll pick it as well. There's just so many like close lines this week. Like I just look at all the games where the lines are within like five points, and there's so many this week. I mean, that's what I love about rivalry week because there's so many close <laughs> games, uh, so many games that could really just go either way. And the records don't matter as much during rivalry because that's why it's um it's fun Definitely and that's fun. why rivalry week rivalry it's, it's it's a tough one it's a tough one um all right um man I don't know where to start with this I'll, I'll just uh I'll start with Virginia at Virginia Tech JB who you got uh isn't this game in Virginia in Charlottesville 
You're probably right because I uh, I wrote it down backwards. So excuse me. Virginia yeah, I Tech. thought this game was in Charlottesville. Uh, you know, both of these teams have been playing really well the last few weeks. Uh, they're both, you know, it's a big, it's a big, uh, you know, rivalry game. Virginia won the game last year in Blacksburg, which forced Virginia Tech to have to play their, you know, cancel game from earlier in the year against Marshall to get bowl eligibility. Uh, you know, these both of these schools hate each other a lot. It's an 11 a.m. kickoff. Yeah, but you uh, got me. I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Virginia. I think I, I really like Brock Mendenhall, what he's done, and they're at home. I'm gonna go with them. Fuente, Holt, come on, pick them. Yeah, I was actually get, really was gonna go with Virginia Tech in this one. Um, I I really feel like this game is a true toss up. Um, I just really like what Bud Foster's been able to do on the defensive side um, late in the season. They've really bounced back. Fuente feels like it's finally he's finally won over the team there and. Uh, Blacksburg after a few years and you know Virginia Tech had a really long streak against Virginia that was finally broke last year and um, I just think that they're going to come into this game and uh, start a new streak and they're going to you know start that new streak 1-0 so Virginia for both of y'all gotcha Um, Wisconsin at Minnesota whole smash yeah, just to be clear, I'm taking Virginia Tech in that game. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, you you, uh, you said you didn't want to take Virginia Tech at first, and that's why it kind of confused me. No, I said I did want to take Virginia Tech. Okay, so there's there's one one mismatch. All right, whole, whole swinger defense like So, whole for Wisconsin, Minnesota, I'll, I'll listen to you this time. Go ahead. Um, Man, that's your – That can't be tough. You can't say tough. That's, that's one word you can't say for all these games. Did I say that? Because I, I, don't, I don't think I said that. Man, this... You're getting close to it, man. Yeah. I heard it. you said but that's against the rules um yeah so i'm gonna be going with wisconsin in this game um i don't feel great about it um i really feel like this game could go either way uh but i'm gonna have to go with wisconsin uh to get the win on the road at minnesota um i just feel like defensively uh they're a little bit better and um, I just like their consistency on offense a little bit more than Minnesota's. Minnesota's been more explosive on offense, but Wisconsin's been a little bit more steady. JB, who you got? And I've, I've got to agree with Holt here. I mean, I, I really like this Wisconsin team, too. I mean, i got to give credit to P.J. Fleck. He is really right at the ship, you know, no pun intended, at Minnesota. You know, this is an awesome season they're having, but – this Wisconsin team is an established program. I mean, Paul Chris has done an excellent job these last few years as their head coach. And I just think that, you know, they, they've been in more bigger games than Minnesota has. And I'm going to go with Wisconsin. Louisville at Kentucky, JB. Got to go with Kentucky here. Mark Stoops has done an outstanding job. this. Year. He's had an underrated coaching job, too, with, you know, managing with Lynn Bowden as his uh, quarterback hybrid. And, uh, you know, they're the home team. And Satterfield, let's say Satterfield's done an outstanding job at Louisville, too, getting them back to a bowl. But this is Kentucky's game here, and I'm going with Kentucky. Whole smash. Yeah, I'm going to have to agree as much as I hate to. Um, I'm also going to go with Kentucky. Um, Lynn Bowden is my guy. I can't go against them. Uh, they're at home. Uh, you know, Mark Stoops has done an incredible job this year, and um, I think they get that win number seven this week. Hold on, I'm really trying to help you out with this one. Iowa at Nebraska. JB, who you got? This one's really hard for me, honestly, because I don't. I really didn't know who I wanted to pick in this one because I, I actually analyzed this one a little bit earlier today. And even when I go back, I always want to change my pick. Uh, this is, you know, two border states. 
Nebraska's at home. They're five and six. They need to win to go to a bowl. Iowa, you know, they're already pretty much have clinched themselves, you know, a solid bowl with their record. I mean, they're a really solid team. And, I mean, Iowa's definitely a lot better on defense, but Nebraska's slightly better on offense. But, you know, I think I'm going to have to go with Iowa here. I just think they're the better team. Is this the game you are – I mean, excuse me. Are you going to win your bet from earlier in the year for the record? Yes, I've already won it. I mean, they they had to finish better than 7.5, and they've already got eight wins. So, I've already won my bet. So, it doesn't really matter what Iowa does in this game. Good for you. Rich man. Uh, Old Smash, who you got? Yeah, I have Iowa also. Um, I just can't pick Nebraska. I just don't trust them at all. Um, big win last week, but that was against Maryland, who's completely fallen off the face of the earth. Um, I just, I think Iowa's a better team, and I think they're going to get the win. Iowa State at Kansas State, whole smash. Man, I mean, I have to go with Iowa State. I mean, I just feel like they're a better team. I really like Kansas State. They're at home. Um, I feel like this game is kind of close to a toss-up, but I just trust Matt Campbell, and I just, I've always been kind of a big fan of him. And uh, I think they're going to get the win on the road. JB. Loser of this game, Alex, will be playing in Memphis at the Liberty Bowl. And that loser of this game is going to be Kansas State. I can never bet against Matt Campbell. I mean, I'm, I'm one of the biggest Matt Campbell fans. Uh, Matt Campbell, Bill Clark, you know, those two guys I love. I'm not going to pick against Matt Campbell. I picked him against Tom Herman, and I'm going to pick him against uh, Chris Kleiman. Shout out to Brock Purdy for being a dude. <laughs> Were y'all Matt Campbell fans before the Liberty Bowl where they played Memphis? Because that's where I really learned who. Yeah, was. yeah, I knew about him before. And then like when they played, but I, Matt Campbell had an excellent coach game too in that game too. Because I mean, I think Memphis was a slight favorite. They were, and and but he had an excellent defensive game plan that really limited Memphis's offense that day. That game was. Uh, <laughs> it's funny because it's a Liberty Bowl and it's in Memphis, but that was truly fifty fifty. Iowa State fans came to Memphis. It was Iowa State fans travel well, and you know the Liberty Bowl would. Love to get Iowa State back. But to me, I feel like the loser of this game is going to be in the Liberty Bowl. It just seems like it to me. Yeah. Cincinnati at Memphis. JB. Man, you know, I've been I've been high on both of these teams all year. I really love Cincinnati's defense. Uh, on a neutral field, I actually probably would pick Cincinnati. I just think they're a little bit more balanced than Memphis. But I'm going to go with Memphis at home. I think with Memphis being the home team, uh, they always play well on Black Friday after Thanksgiving at home. And, you know, big games. They beat Houston twice here on Black Friday. We saw a game last year. They beat Houston. Of course, they beat Tom Herman's a few years ago. Mike Norvell just wins Black Friday games. And I'm going to go with Memphis. Also, I think Mike Norvell is trying to make sure he gets one of these good jobs. So, I, I don't – I think he – like, it kind of seemed, like, clear to me last week in South Florida that he was like, all right, we need to play better and win by more than, like, 20 points because I'm trying to get one of these good jobs. Right. I don't think that's what's happening. Holt, who you got in this game? Yeah, I got Memphis as well. It's actually not really close for me. Um, I like Memphis pretty um, – you know, I'm not going to say they're going to win this game convincingly or anything, but I just – I feel pretty confident they're going to win this game. Um, a lot of people have been talking about Cincinnati's defense. Uh, if you look at yards per game, Memphis is actually better um, overall yards per game than Cincinnati is. So, a lot of people may not know that. And then they're obviously significantly better on offense. So And they're at home, so go on Memphis. Not a, and we'll be cheering them on, or some of us will be. <laughs> I mean, I'll be at the game. I wouldn't necessarily say I'll be cheering them on, but I will be there, yes. <laughs> um, I'll give you, I'll get some blue to wear. Um, they actually got a blue hoodie last night. It's actually going to be perfect. If it's like hoodie weather, then I got it covered already. Debbie might want to wear blue just because just you don't want the Memphis fans coming after you. <laughs> yeah, um, he did wear an Ole Miss visor to the Egg Bowl one time. 
<laughs> but that was also in Oxford, too, so they weren't going to be coming up for me. Washington State at Washington. JB. Man, you know, last year, Washington State really bit me in the ass when I picked them to win the <laughs> Apple Cup, you know, against Washington at home. You know, that really pissed me off a lot. I really wanted Washington State to win. Uh, both of these teams have had somewhat disappointing seasons. I think mainly Washington has. I mean, they were projected to win at least nine games, and they only have six wins right now. But, you know, they are the home team. They're at Husky Stadium. They've had two big losses at home this year. I think one against uh, – what was it? One of them was against Oregon. Uh, another one, I think, was against Utah at home as well that they lost. I don't, I forgot. I think maybe so. But, you know, third time's a charm. I'm going to go with Washington getting the big win at home. Hold. Yeah, you know, Washington State's coming off a really big win. Uh, but, you know, you look at the this series, and Washington pretty much dominated it. Um, seems like they always have an answer for Mike Leach's offense. Um, you know, obviously, Jacob Eason is having a really big year. Um, you know, they do have some tough losses at home. They, you know, obviously, like JB said, they lost a close game at home to Oregon. They lost a close game at home to Utah. Um, you know, they lost on the road last week to Colorado. So some really tough losses this year for Washington. But um, I'm actually going to go with Washington State in this one and Mike Leach. I think they'll finally go over the hump and beat uh, beat the Huskies. All right. It's only the second game that we have – you all have disagreed on. Uh, Ohio State at Michigan. Hope. Yeah, I have to go with Ohio State in this one. They're just too complete. I really like what Michigan's done turning it around this year and, um, you know, kind of made this an exciting matchup. Um, but I still have to go with Ohio State. I just think they're too complete of a team. They just don't really have any weaknesses. I mean, I would love for Michigan to win this game just because I'm tired of Ohio State. But, um, I mean, I just don't see how they're going to do it. I mean, Ohio State's been just been so dominant this yeah. year. JB. So I picked I picked Ohio uh, – sorry, I picked uh, Michigan to win this game in the preseason. But knowing now Ohio State's a lot better team than I thought they would be, and Michigan is not as good as I thought they would be. So I am changing my pick. I am going with Ohio State in this one. Unfortunately um, for Jim Harbaugh, he is still going to be remaining winless against Ohio State. Yeah, it's hard to pick against Ohio State right now. They're, uh, it is. Ohio yeah. State, I mean, much respect to them. They've looked I've, – I've always thought of them as overrated the last couple of years. This year, they're legit. I mean, they're, they're stacked all across the board this year, and they're really great on both sides of the ball. They are. The Iron Bowl hole – are you man enough to pick Auburn in this game? I mean, I just can't. Like, I just – I mean, Gus Miles on versus Nick Saban, it just hasn't really been close. Um, you know, Auburn showed up against, uh, you know, LSU and Georgia as far as, like, keeping the game close. They weren't blown out at all. But at no point in either one of those games did I think that Auburn was actually going to win. Um, you know, obviously – Alabama doesn't have Tua, but I just I feel really confident with those receivers that they're going to be able to find some offense. And then Najee Harris in the backfield, I just I just think Alabama has too many playmakers on offense for you know to be completely shut down. And I just don't know how Auburn's going to be able to uh, to get enough points in this game to win. JB, yeah, I mean, I, here's the thing: I picked Auburn to split the games against Georgia and Alabama. I have them beating Georgia, losing to Alabama. I'm keeping the same pick. I mean, I think Alabama's just more balanced, and I mean, Holt made a good point too. Alabama's going to make some plays on offense, you know, with the receivers they have. Mac Jones is not going to have to make incredible plays in this game. They're going to do enough, and I think the the fine line for Alabama is they need to score at least twenty points, and I think they win. And if, if they score twenty, I think they can win, you know, in controlling fashion. So I'm, I'm going with Alabama here. 
got the Egg Bowl. Who you got? I'm a, I'm gonna have to go with Mississippi State and go against my better judgment. Um, they are at home. Um, I just believe, you know, neither off neither offense has been great passing the ball this year, but I just have a little bit more faith in Tommy Stevens um, and the Mississippi State receivers than I do in Ole Miss's passing game with John Rice Plumley. Um, I think both teams uh, are going to be able to run the ball pretty well, but I think the difference is going to be Mississippi State's ability to throw the ball. And Mississippi State's defense has been kind of been bend but don't break this year. Um, they give up a lot of yards, but they keep teams out of the end zone. So um, if they're able to do that against Ole Miss, uh, Ole Miss has been really this year, and um, I just I trust Mississippi State's balance a little bit more. And I mean, honestly, it really is a toss up. But if I have to pick, I'm picking Mississippi State. JB, yeah, this one's this one's really a toss up for me. It's really hard for me to go with it. But uh, my thing I'm looking at is that Mississippi State, I think, is a little bit better on offense. They're a little more, they're more balanced uh, defensively. I think it's really a push. But here's the thing: Mississippi State is playing on a short week. Ole Miss is playing on a week's rest, uh, and they also have Matt Luke, a guy that knows about this rivalry more than anybody on, you know, from each coaching staff. I would say. I mean, he's he played in this rivalry game. He's he he's he won in Starkville two years ago. Uh, he's trying to rally up his troops, and they also, like I said, they're going to be more well rested. I'm actually going to go with Ole Miss here. And plus, another fact is that the road team has won the last four years, and. I just don't see the trend changing this year. I'm going to, I'm going to go with Ole Miss. I like surprisingly, the pick. I couldn't believe I actually did it, but I'm picking Ole Miss. I like the pick. That's that is a tough one. This one, um, out of all the games, that might be like one of the hardest ones because what you just said, JB, is the road team winning the last three years, and the team that's really not expected to win has kind of won over the last few years. Yeah, so it's, it's, it's the road team, but really to me, it's the um, short week that Mississippi State has compared to Ole Miss that had a week off. Like Ole Miss had a week off at the right time because, I mean, they've been preparing for Mississippi State ever since their last game against LSU, in which they played rather well at home against them. I mean, they played really well. I think they got a lot of confidence from that game. And, you know, they had a week off, and they've been focusing on Mississippi State ever since then. Mississippi State kind of sleepwalked against Abilene. I mean, it's just – I feel like the – the stars are aligning for Ole Miss to uh, pull off a slight upset in Starkville this weekend, or this, not this weekend, but on Thanksgiving night. So it's all the games I have picked. JB, did you want to pick a specific one after that? Well, uh, there's one more game that we could pick. I don't know if – I mean, it's – Dude, I got about ten more games. We can I pick. know. But there's one more game for sure that I think he and I could pick. I mean, I don't know if we'll have any differences in it, but it's a in-state rivalry between Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. That we could pick. No, because I think I think both of you are picking Oklahoma, so that's the only reason why I didn't do that one. It seems like it's just too easy. Unless unless either I mean, one of you is going to pick. Just like go down the list of games this week. I mean, they're pretty much all toss ups. I mean, you could literally pick like any game. Yeah, I mean, every game we picked. That I mean, every game we picked in this round, they're all. I mean, pretty much all of them. Like Holt said, they're all toss ups. Out of all those games. I'm trying to think the which the one I would probably feel most comfortable about is the Ohio State Michigan game. Yeah, Ohio State, Michigan, but um, yeah, uh, either that or Alabama, Auburn. Those are the two I feel the most comfortable about. We could pick Cal, UCLA. We could pick BYU, San Diego State. <laughs> we could pick North Carolina, North Carolina State. We could pick. I mean, there's so many Georgia State, Georgia Southern. There's a lot of you, dude. UAB, North Texas is a one point line. I mean, that's basically a toss up. Yeah, I don't understand why I saw that. I don't understand why that was a one point line. It's at North Texas, but still. 
Yeah, it's, you would think that an eight and three team would be significantly favored over a four and seven team, but it's like a trap uh, North, game. North Texas, North Texas's offense is actually like pretty solid, and UAB's defense has been really good, but their offense has not been. Um, so I think that might be why it's kind of considered a toss up. Last question: um, If USC beats UCLA this week. Is it going to be another year for Clay Helton? Did you say USC beating UCLA? I did, but I think they played last week. So who does USC play this week? <laughs> uh, USC is season. I think they're they're eight and four. I mean, they're oh, they're, they're regular, their regular season's already concluded. They're, so they're eight and four. Football. They're eight and four, but they're playing the Pac-12. So I guess if they won the Pac-12, they would he would keep his job, right? Correct. But uh, as of now, looking at the Pac-12 standings, I mean, I think USC still had a shot. I believe going in the last week, but. Uh, as of now, I think it's going to be – well, let's see. USC beat Utah. So, as long as Utah wins this week, they win the South. Now, if Utah loses, USC will be in the Pac-12 championship. I thought they were already in the Pac-12 championship. I'm all mixed up then. I don't think so. I think because USC has already beat Utah. That was Utah's one loss. And if Utah loses again, they would be tied in the standings, you know, conference-wise. And USC would have the tiebreaker because they beat Utah. So what? What other games are we picking? That's that's the only ones. We got you. Got to make up your ground in the conference championship and um, whatever it's called and bowl uh, season. If- conference championship week is going to be a pretty exciting week. I mean, there's going to be at least ten conference championship games that week too. So we'll probably pick all ten of those. Yeah. So it'll be fun. And right, and currently Holt and I have a difference of three games. So I mean, there's definitely a lot of time to make up ground this week and then next week for him as well because we're definitely going to have a lot of – I feel like he and I are going to have at least, you know, almost half of the games are probably going to have differences on next week. Yeah, so don't get so down, Holt. You, you'll, you'll just hang in there, bro. <laughs> you'll, you'll get him. I think that – But I'll go ahead. You want to give you the, the differences I mean Holt have? I, I have them. Egg Bowl, Virginia, Virginia Tech, and Washington State, Washington. And Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Yeah, I said Egg Bowl. Yeah, so so those three. But I think that concludes the show. Thanks for listening. Make sure you follow us and subscribe to us on Twitter and Apple Podcasts at SEC Slow Smokes, and we will see you all at the end of the week. Thanks for tuning in to another outstanding episode of the SEC Slow Smoke Podcast. Be sure to rate us and subscribe on iTunes or your podcast app of choice. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at SEC Slow Smoked. Spread the good word on this podcast like the chili and cheese on your fries. If you like this podcast, tell a friend because there's plenty to go around. Oh, yeah.